0: Okay, welcome everybody. My name is Steve Grubbs. I am the uh, CEO, founder of Victory XR. And uh, we build uh, curriculum in virtual reality as well as uh, learning environments. And today we're here to talk a little bit about uh, the Cadaver Lab at Fisk University. And this is significant because in the past, if if a university or college wanted a cadaver lab, which is essential for pre-med students or advanced biology students, or if you have a medical school, it was was necessary to either spend millions building a cadaver lab or to potentially buy a synthetic cadaver, which which costs anywhere from 50 to $200,000. Those of us involved in the world of virtual reality, Uh, are establishing the the use cases that make sense, that not only drive a better user experience, a better learning experience, but also uh, provide a better return on investment and and provide savings. Because if there's one thing that we know about technology, it has the potential to do more uh, for for a lower cost. And so we believe that that's what uh, we've established, we've uh, achieved with Fisk University. And so a few months ago, we got a call from Dr. Brown, the Dean of Fisk University, and uh, they were interested in exploring how they could use virtual reality to better educate their students at Fisk. And uh, I won't tell you too much about Fisk, but I will say that it's an HBCU in Nashville. So when, when I have to go and work at a location, that's not a bad location to have to go to. So um, let me, let me uh, hand the mic to uh, Dr. Brown. And, and Dr. Brown, would you talk just a little bit about why uh, not just virtual reality, but specifically the cadaver lab uh, plays an important role for Fisk University?
1: Thank you, Steve. I'd be more than happy to do that. Um, I am very honored and and extremely excited to have uh, the implementation um, of uh, the cadaver lab here at Fish University. Uh, One of the great advantages is that majority of our students who come to Fish, they are medical students. Biology is our largest area and we prepare them for uh, medical school. And one of the problems we have had in the past is that our students must take anatomy and physiology And so they've had to go to Vanderbilt University to get these credits. Well, now with our cadaver lab, we just hired someone. Our students now can stay at home at Fish university and take these courses uh, by way of the cadaver lab. So we are really excited about this. Uh, We feel that the cadaver lab is bringing our students into the 21st century with the cutting-edge technology in which we want our students prepared. So when they do go to medical school, they will be so much better off and probably even better prepared than those students who have not had this great experience that we are gonna be providing for our students here. A better education a quality education and FIS is known for producing scholars and leaders in our society. So we are excited about this, Steve.
0: Thank you, Dr. Brown. And uh, when Dr. Newkirk's able to join us, we'll. Uh, have him just address the issue of the, the great technological advancements he's made at Fisk over his uh, term as president. So, um, and, and in just a couple minutes, we will actually head into the cadaver lab in virtual reality. For those of you who don't have a headset, uh, no big deal. We will broadcast back to this uh, back to this Zoom experience, so you can see what we are experiencing in there. But of course, I always say that. Uh, looking at VR through a 2D PC or uh, through Zoom is, is sort of like looking at a looking at the Grand Canyon from a postcard. It's pretty cool, but uh, just a just a, a, a not even not even close to the real thing. Nothing like standing on the South Rim. So, um, as, as we were putting together this project at Fisk, um, I, I suggested to T-Mobile that this might be a good place for uh, 5G. And, and what, what we are doing at Fisk, which is different than what we did at Morehouse, is that at Fisk, it's, the cadaver lab is located on campus in, in a building. At, at Morehouse, the students took their headsets home with them. So that was a different experience. But, but here, uh, most of us in VR believe that uh, these sorts of experiences will be mobile. Will, will Students will be able to take them and classes will be able to take these no matter where they're at. And so Brian, you wanna talk a little bit about this specific use case and, and also the larger case for 5G in the world of XR. And Brian, I should, Brian is the senior vice president at uh, T-Mobile. Uh, I believe vice president in charge of, uh, new technologies.
2: Yep, technology ecosystem development is what we call it. It's a, uh, yeah, uh, fancy way of saying we get to play with all the, the coolest things that T-Mobile and others in this space have to offer. So first, you know, um, such a pleasure to work with all of the, you know, tremendous groups here. I mean, Steven team, the, the folks at Fisk, uh, the HTC team, just an amazing bunch of people who've come together. And, and I think as we look at, you know, 5G, you, you see a lot of, um, you know, inflection points where, you know, we showcase particular things you know, the industry showcases things. But this is a, I mean, this, this situation is one where we have, you know, an amazing platform, you know, with Victory XR and the content that their developers have created. We have best in class hardware that's, you know, ready, to for all the demands that can be placed upon it from a vr standpoint from htc and we've got this incredible visionary customer and dr brown and the fisk team that say hey we want to put this technology to use to give our students the best possible education right so from t-mobile we looked at this and we said okay you know our our mission is to be the best in the world at connecting customers with their world and in this case those customers are the students and we said this is a perfect opportunity Because the only thing that needs to be added to that mix of ingredients is the best wireless fabric that can bring them all together to make that experience come to life. Right. And so that's, that was, you know, our opportunity here to say the rest of these things are amazing. We have the last piece that's needed and, you know, our um, 5g ultra capacity network has such low latency that you can take a a group of 20 students in an intense VR experience like this and provide that synchronization so that everybody is having that experience in real time. It feels just like you're there. And, and as well, you might imagine these experiences are pretty bandwidth intensive. So um, it's you also need a ton of capacity to get the, the visual content through. So to get it through and keep everybody in sync, you know, like that you need the best wireless connectivity in the world and that's that's what our ultra capacity 5g network does um, and then as we think you know to the to the future you know the other aspect of, of our network is we've got in tremendous coverage you know our extended range 5g covers over 300 million people in the country already and the ultra capacity 5g which is you know what, what this uh, experience at Fisk is based on is already at 165 million people and growing so as we think ahead you know this idea of of education, virtual reality education without boundaries is something we're very, very excited about. And we've got the right people that we're working with to, to start that here and then build on it into the future. So that's us. Thanks for the chance to, to share our piece of the puzzle.
0: Thanks, Brian. Uh, before we move into VR, and, and, and I would like, once we're in VR, I want to uh, ask Vibe to talk about uh, their headset. But uh, before we head in, uh, Dr. Newkirk is the president of Fisk University. Uh, one, We work with a lot of colleges and universities and the the gift we have been given at Fisk is that the person making the decision or the two people making the decisions are at the top of the university. So we don't have that long line of approvals. Uh, we just have to get Dr. Newkirk to give us the thumbs up. So, and, and he has done that so far. Uh, Dr. Newkirk, would you talk about the vision that you gave me uh, that, that explains your technological vision for Fisk University?
3: Well, what we want and we strive for, we want our students to have the best when we talk about technology and we wanna make sure that it's infused throughout our curriculums, so that our students, when they leave this campus, uh, they're turnkey ready for jobs and that they're turnkey ready, meaning that they have the technological skills They have the academic skills in which they can move forward in the world, and I think having this partnership allows us to infuse the technology into all of our curriculums, into our students, and to ensure that our students have the skill sets needed to move forward in this century and to actually promote the jobs of the future. So we think this is the way to go, and we believe this is something that our faculty will embrace, our alums will embrace, and the community that we support will embrace fully but that's what we believe. And that's what we embrace as a university. And as president of this university, I'm committed to that whole scheme and concept as we go forward in the world.
0: Well, we, uh, we are there. So what we're going to go into VR next. And when what you're going to see in there is our three different uh, rooms for students to learn in. We have the human organ room, we have the skeletal room, And we also have the musculoskeletal room. Now, also what you're going to see is that when you are standing inside the cadaver lab and you look outside the windows, what you will see is the Fisk University campus. And in fact, you will see the building that Dr. Newkirk is sitting in as we speak. So I'm going to, Venkati, you've got your headset and you're ready to join us? Okay. Well, let's, uh, for those of you that are joining on the inside, we're gonna go into the cadaver lab, then we'll come back to this Zoom meeting and answer any questions that you might have. Okay, now that we all have VR head. Um, put my glasses back on so I can see. So, So that's the concept that, that's the case that we are that we are making is that people talk a lot about the right use cases, and and in this case, not only do students get a, in in mo- many ways, if not most ways, a superior anatomy education, physiology education through these tools, but at the same time, uh, there there's a lower cost, even when you count the the headsets and the licenses and and all in, it's still. Uh, 40% less than the the least expensive uh, synthetic cadaver. So it's a win-win for universities. And I think for the whole XR community, it shows that there is this really dramatic use case that helps colleges and universities. What, What we believe, and this last thing I'll say before I open it up to questions, what we believe is that remote education is growing on campuses and they need a way to deliver quality labs. This is one of those ways. But even if you are not a campus that has a large remote uh, population, and that's Fisk University, they are an on-campus university, that there are strong use cases for students to be able to learn through uh, virtual reality. So with that, Scott or anyone else that has questions, we uh, direct it to whomever you want and we'll uh, be happy to take them.
1: Hey, this is Dr. Brown. I have a question, I think for that did, did I pronounce his name correctly?
4: thenkata are you speaking? Yes. You did, it, Shirley. Thank you. Okay. Thank you You're Brown.
1: welcome. Um, my question is, we are, were under the impression we were going to get the VIVE Focus 3 and we received the VIVE um, focus plus. One of the things I did notice with that headset is that after 30 minutes it became extremely heavy. So my concern is going to be when we are having classes and yeah. the students are usually in there at least um, an hour and 10 minutes per class depending on how would that impact the students. Maybe it's heavy on me because I'm kind of you know I'm over 25. but I I was just wondering that, and if the um, Focus 3, will we receive those later, or is that off the table, or what was the rationale for that? I just kind of got a little bit confused and want some clarification.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let me answer that. Um, Focus 3, like you said, um, is is the plan of record. Um, What we have done in, in, in lieu of having the Focus 3 headset, which we just launched, um, is that um, we wanted to get this program started so, um, the, so that we can we don't have any delays um, for for the program. So we started off with that, but ultimately um, the the target is to move to Focus Three. And Brian, I'll let you speak to it if you have any other comments.
2: No, no, I mean nothing, nothing else. Um, you know, from a network standpoint, I mean the, the hardware. I, I the Focus Three is a delight. I mean, I've used both of them. And um, it's uh, it, it truly is they've done a brilliant job of engineering the form factor to balance the weight and make it much more comfortable uh, to wear for an extended period of time so once you get once you get yours you're going to love it I promise okay, tell that them sounds great. build them fast Venkata build them fast
0: yeah. I wanna <laughs> sounds thank, wonderful I want to thank Vive for getting us the interim headsets uh, in the in lieu of uh, having the others available. So we appreciate them giving us the position headsets and so that you guys start campus uh, a little bit earlier than others, I think August 9th. Uh,
1: Absolutely, and this is always, always have done that. Um, I've been here 14 years and we've always started early, but we also get out early. but uh, yeah we do we we're usually in a couple of weeks before other universities starts but that's the way it has been so i don't think it's going to change we've gotten used to it and our students have gotten accustomed to it and, and one of the unique things is that we get out early in november and our students have a longer holiday break once we get out before thanksgiving they don't come back into the new year so those are some advantages there for our students and for faculty um, and so, and plus we have a um, uh, December semester that we offer that we didn't have before. We also have a January semester uh, coming into the uh, spring semester. And we offer like three summer sessions. So we, yeah, we try to occupy the time within this calendar.
0: Thanks, Dr. Brown. Uh, Scott or Anshul, if you have any questions, we'd be happy to
5: answer them. Um. I'm kind of curious about the 5G component of this, um, specifically around the fact that, you know, none of these headsets have connectivity today. So what does the 5G component of this look like in terms of the T-Mobile network? What's that bridge look like? And does the infrastructure that is currently being utilized today allow for this lab to be mobile and move from room to room? Or is this kind of like a fixed, uh, you know, using a T-Mobile 5G hotspot instead?
2: Yeah, good, good questions. Um, and we get that a lot. I mean, a lot of the things that you're seeing go on in, in the 5G space today with new hardware and these software platforms, some of them can work you know, on legacy LTE networks. Uh, this isn't gonna be a great experience on that. Here's, so here's where 5G comes into it. So we all did this. Um, I'm not doing it on 5G and I don't know how many of you, if any of you were doing it on 5G. When you've got a good Wi-Fi connection and you're all dispersed, you can get this. You can get this to work. Now, where you know where I talked about before, you know this wireless fabric kind of pulling things together. Five G is a is a better fabric than Wi-Fi in a number of respects, and that's why kind of we're a component in this. So when you take uh, when you're doing this instead of one person per location, like we just did it you start putting 20 of these things in the same room, all of a sudden the demand on the, the network is exponentially greater, right? You've got to get 20 of these things consuming a ton of bandwidth and having to be remain perfectly in sync. And that's something that the, you know, the, the Fisk University folks said, that we want to do this, but our, why, we can't support it from a connectivity standpoint. So um, we went in and tested our 5G Uh, network in the location on the university where they wanted to do this. And we we didn't engineer anything special for this. It was already there. We already had ultra capacity coverage, which ultra capacity is our, you know, mid band 2.5 spectrum. Um, And that's where you really can see, you know, what a 5G experience can be like. And it was great. So what we did is we put it in in Sego hotspot into the classroom so that it could talk to the headsets via Wi-Fi. So um, it's you know 5G back to the internet, but it's Wi-Fi from that hotspot to the headset. But unless you have that 5G link in there, you can't support twenty students synchronously, you know, with this kind of vivid detail. And, and that's where, you know, it's it's kind of really tremendous. Um, and the other thing that is is we've you know played around with you know 5G versus um, general Wi-Fi connectivity is the the vividness of the detail that you can present when you have a strong 5g ultra capacity connection is is much greater so for example you know you saw the heart in the lab and when you've got the capacity that 5g can afford you can render details in that organ that you you can't see visually and, and a lesser quality broadband connection. So you start to see the veins and the arteries and you can talk about from an instructor standpoint, how the blood flows through that organ and the students can see exactly how that's working. So it kind of ups the ante if you will, in terms of the vividness of what that experience can, can be. And you can develop to that capability if the um, connectivity will support it. So that's um, really it's you know um, concentration of, of demand. You know, when you're doing this in a classroom setting, that's huge and 5G is necessary to support that. And then the, the vividness of the detail, the synchronicity of that experience because of the low latency aspect, that's, that's what brought here. Now, the other aspect, when you start to think outside of a classroom setting is, is the fact that, you know, Wi-Fi isn't ubiquitous uh, across the country. And so you start to think about learning virtual education, I mentioned without borders. You know you want to be able to do this, mobilize this experience or at least make it portable um, and the fact that we have ultra capacity covering you know one hundred and sixty five million people says you can take this and provide the same experience in a, in a lot of geographic locations so if um, you know Fisk or others start to get the idea that they want to enable this you know for remote learning, remote participation, you know our network is is there to support that and we can make the experience kind of harmonious for the people in the room as well as uh, distance. So that's uh, that's really where 5G comes to play here. Does that answer the question?
5: Yeah I guess my question is when you guys did this testing and you had say 20 users on the network simultaneously, was this with students present on campus?
2: No it wasn't, it was over the over the interim. So we sent engineers out there to test the RF connections. We did lab work, you know, taking the, the, the platform on a headset in our lab and kind of modeling out everything. So we, we weren't able to do that with 20 students at a time, but we have ways of, of testing the experience so that we could be sure that it would be supportable.
5: Okay, yeah, because I, I think even with 20 students, if you were able to get 20 headsets, you know, running simultaneously, I'm curious to see what that experience would look like uh, with students on campus. In addition to that, just because, um, you know, I've been to my fair share of college campuses and uh, generally speaking, bandwidth is usually very starved unless you're on a wired connection on one of the many fiber connections campuses generally have.
2: Yeah. I mean, you're getting right to the value of, 5G, right, because when we talk about ultra capacity, I mean, this is really the value of that 2.5 mid band spectrum that we have, because T-Mobile has such uh, an, an enormous amount of that, it, uh, the capacity in that band, when you have devices that are connecting to that band and it's available, it's, it's not like any wireless experience that, that most of us have had. Um, and it takes something like this to really showcase, you know, what it's capable of because faster smartphones don't get the point across. So that's why we're really excited about this. It's, it's going to be terrific. And we can't wait for the students to show up and put the headsets on and, you know, have this virtual class and everybody go, wow, I didn't think this was even possible.
0: This whole process has been a, a learning opportunity for everybody involved. You know, every little piece that you learn is another brick that you're putting in the wall, and so you know the research that T-Mobile has done, uh, the, the the work that our developers have done in optimizing each asset, uh, and and what uh, Brian said about being able to grow into more bandwidth, you know we'll be able to keep adding greater and greater detail as we figure out you know how much how much capacity the, uh, the the broadband network has and, and what the headsets can handle that, the, the chips that they're using can handle. So that's a big Qualcomm issue. So we'll just keep improving it and iterating over time. But uh, I'll tell you what, feel free to drop back in in a month and um, you know we will have continued to work through issues that come
4: up. Scott, do you have uh, questions? One, um- thing I would like to add um, is uh, for the 5G um, that Brian talked about, um, there's two ways, Anshul, to connect um, the headset. One thing is what Brian mentioned about um, using um, the hotspot as a Wi-Fi and getting that connection done. The other thing that we also support is connecting from a USB cable um, to the headset directly where you can get a 5G um, experience if you, if you choose to go that route, either it is remote or on campus. So, just wanted
5: to add that as well. I mean, the five G was my question, and um, and it's running. So, engage will be the platform that it's that it's running through. And um, I know right now, VR looks like the you know the way to go. Is there any thought with as far as AR? Is there does it make any sense at all for 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 this, or is it something that's that
2: is being worked on in conjunction?
0: Brian, you wanna take this or do you want me to?
2: You can kick it off, I'm happy to add in. So it feels like we got a mind reader amongst us though.
0: Yeah, you know, we know that all of the big VR companies for the most part are also working on AR solutions or pass through solutions or whatever the case might be. Um, So we also know that consumers over time where it makes sense, will look for smaller form factor gear to wear and so um you know I can't speak for Vive uh but but we have working directly with Brian and T-Mobile we have uh played around with what this would look like in AR and it's not ready yet but um you know it's one of those things that will happen
2: yeah yeah there's a lot of platforms that we're looking at. In fact, you know, she, she hasn't said anything. She's kind of watching uh, politely on the side, but Sari Menendez Mendoza is part of my team. And, and earlier, you know, as a year or so ago, we stood up what we call XR Special Ops Team inside of T-Mobile here. And she leads that for, for me. And so we're looking at a lot of different hardware hardware platforms and software platforms and how they mix and match because, you know, really it's, it's amazing that, you know, some things are best in VR, but some things are best in, you know, a lighter form factor and you don't need that. And um, we're playing around with a lot of that as as Steve said. And so we look at this as, you know, first and foremost, you know, just enabling students to connect with their, their educational world, right? And then we'll figure out, you know, based on what that content is, what the right form factor is. And it's, I mean, this is truly like, I use the baking analogy frequently because it is assembling ingredients you know, together in the way that provides the best possible experience. So, you know, we're definitely looking at a number of uh, AR, AR hardware platforms and trying these same experiences out uh, on them. So more to come on that in the future.
0: You know, the other, the other thing that I think a lot of people on the call probably know is that um, Qualcomm has that XR2 chip which will directly connect to 5G and there just aren't any headsets yet, but I believe by the end of this year or one 2022 in Asia, the first uh, direct to 5G headsets will roll out. And of course, I think it'll probably be pretty quick in the United States after that. We'll see what announcements the, the tech companies have this fall. But, but soon enough, that 2.5 5G, that's going to own uh, the XR world. And uh, it might be 12 months, it might be 24 months, but it's it's gonna happen.
6: So Brian, as part of your evaluation, this is Term to RCM with the uh, St. Marine Valley School District here in Colorado. Um, There's obviously the technology side and there's all these wonderful things that Steve and Engage and Victory XR and the others in terms of content and experiences are doing. Um, But there's a third element, which is the business side. When you talk about public schools around the country or around the world, and financing initiatives like these. Um, two big challenges we typically face is on the economics of the technologies. And then secondarily, we've got this arbitrary rule about under 13, what kind of headsets can be used for students under that. And is there a viable or a scientific data to support one way or another? So in your evaluation, I'd encourage you to keep both of those in mind as well.
2: Yeah, thanks for that. Tom, we're, you know, we're aware um, of, the, of the thinking about headsets and, and younger students. So that's something that kind of, that we're looking on there. You know, I talked earlier about different platforms for different types of use cases. So, you know, a lot of the things that the younger students don't need to necessarily, you know, do a cadaver lab. The cadaver lab is perfect for, you know higher grade level students, but younger students you know, there's a ton of, you know, great learning that they can accomplish via augmented reality on things like tablets. And so we've actually got, you know, programs that we're working internally that, um, that we're running for, for our employees, students uh, that are providing them those kinds of experiences on, on connected tablets. Um, And then, you know, to your point about financing, you know, it's, you have to have the right use case to make the investment in the hardware. And if there's network infrastructure required, that as well, you know, Steve and team have been very intelligent about recognizing that cadaver labs in particular, you know, are a way to upend uh, things from an economic standpoint, right? The the cadavers are so expensive and the facilities, yeah. So this works, this won't work for everything um, you know, augmented reality or virtual reality, but it'll work for a lot of things in a way that, you know, accelerates education. So, you know, our job, the job of our team is to go out and understand kind of what's shaking in, in the world from a, from a platform hardware and software standpoint and try to, you know, put the right ingredients together for the right use cases. Um, and I think there's, there are a lot of those out there. It, yeah. You know, we'll still have traditional learning for other things though. So great points and it's definitely on our mind. Good.
0: Um, Thanks for that question. I'll just, for those of you on the call, Tom runs uh, probably the most advanced technology STEM STEAM Center in the United States, just outside of Denver. Um, So they are a petri dish of learning and technology and AR and VR and everything else. So, So we rely heavily on Tom as one of our testing partners. So thanks Tom. Any other questions before we wrap up today? And obviously, I think everyone knows, uh, feel free to reach out to any of us and we'll be um, happy to uh, provide further uh, perspective on this.
6: So, Steve, a comment as always, just a phenomenal job what you guys put together and the, the crew you assemble for these types of events. The contacts are invaluable, so thank you.
0: That, Tom. Um, Anything else? Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, all. We appreciate Thank you, you. For joining us today.